BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody had a good long holiday weekend. I am definitely feeling refreshed. We went away last week, then came back for the weekend. We came back on Thursday, which is really the way to do it. I'm like rethinking all of my travel plans because I always come back on a Sunday or Monday and then have to jump right into the week. And I've realized I'm doing it wrong. Come back on Thursday or Friday so you can relax. Am I the only one that doesn't do this? I don't know. Anyway, today's episode is such a good one. I'm talking to Emily DiDonato, who is a model, influencer, YouTuber, and now she's a beauty brand co-founder. She has the skincare line Covey. She has been the face of Maybelline. She has modeled for Sports Illustrated. She's done campaigns for Armani, Guess, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, and so many more. She's walked for Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Lowe, Balmain, and so much more. So This is all to say she's very accomplished and she has done a lot in her career. So while many of us admire models and we think they're gorgeous and perfect and have amazing lives, Emily reveals the other side of modeling that we don't see, which is a lot of rejection, a lot of body image obsession and going to great lengths to look a certain way. And as she says, everyone is riding the struggle bus trying to look like they do, which I thought was a funny way of putting it. So she talks about her career. She talks her disordered relationship with her body and diet and exercise, her breaking point, how she came to a place of body neutrality and finding peace with herself. She shares steps that she takes when she's having a bad body image day, how to accept weight gain. She shares her best pre-shoot beauty hacks and what she eats in a day to stay energized and healthy. And she also talks about the most extreme measures taken in the modeling industry to look a certain way, what it's really like trying out for Victoria's Secret. I'll just give you a teaser. It sounds absolutely terrifying. And the drastic things she has seen throughout her career. And then at the end, she takes listener questions and they're super interesting. So make sure you stay till that and enjoy. Okay. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be IRL. (laughs) (laughs) I know. In person. Like, this feels great. It feels like like before the pandemic a little bit. I know. So crazy. Um, I have so much that I want to talk to you about. And I was telling you before, kind of off mic, that we have so many listener questions. So let's just kind of jump into it. I want to start like at the beginning and just hear about what your childhood was like and if modeling was something that you wanted to do, if it was like on the horizon and how it happened. Yeah. So I am from upstate New York originally, about an hour and a half north of here. And, you know, I grew up a very normal childhood. You know, my parents, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a firefighter in the city. I have a brother and a sister. Um, In terms of modeling being on the horizon, you know, people had always told me like, oh, you should be a model when I was like growing up. But I feel like 
I grew up in a small town. Like, that's not something that you're like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm just going to go and do that. But it's funny. I got scouted at the Danbury Mall in Connecticut around my junior year of high school. And then I met my agent like shortly after that. And I was literally working and shooting the, a campaign for Ralph Lauren like within the week. So it happened really, really quickly. And I was still in school. Um, I'm glad it happened that way, but it definitely forced me to like make like those big life decisions early on. Cause I was like going to college, not going to college, all of those things. So yeah. That's crazy. I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. Like getting scouted at the mall, you know, <laughs> now it's like, I feel like everything is on Instagram, social media, people get found that way. No, that's totally true. Whenever people are like, wait, I always thought like those things were a scam. I'm like, yeah, yeah they still might be. I'm not telling you to go running away with someone who comes up to you in a shopping mall because I'm not sure. <laughs> right. So, so how did that change your life? I mean, what did it, how did you go from like being a high school student to being a model? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, at first it was like super exciting and I was, you know, traveling all over the world. You know, I didn't even have a passport before I started modeling. So my mom and I were traveling all over the world. I was missing a decent amount of school, but I was also like, I was making pretty good money and I wanted to pursue it. And because it was happening very quickly and it was going well, I was kind of like, okay, like I do want to pursue this. So yeah, it, it changed my life in the sense that I was like, okay, so all of my friends are applying to go to college right now. I am going to make a different decision. And I decided to start modeling full time. I didn't go to school. I moved to Manhattan. I didn't know anybody here, like moved into alone into a studio and started that. And you know, that came with its own, I think for everyone, they're like, oh my God, that's so cool and so glamorous. But like I moved to Manhattan. I didn't know anyone here. I was in an industry, you know, as a model, you're a freelancer. I never saw the same person twice for a very long time. It was very difficult to make friends. And I think I craved like, or wished I had like more of that traditional experience that my friends were having. This is going to make me sound super old, but it was when Facebook was getting really big when I, <laughs> when, um, like when I graduated from high school and everyone was posting like their albums and at frat parties and like living their lives. And I was like, I'm just like alone, like in Manhattan feeling like so sad, um, so it changed my life really quickly. Looking back now as, as an adult, of course, I can reflect on that and say, like, that all happened for a reason. And I'm glad it led me to where I am today. But at the time, I remember feeling very conflicted and upset. Especially being in New York. Like, New York can be very isolating and lonely, I think, mm -hmm. more so because there are so many people around. And if you don't have a connection with anybody, it can be very, like... Absolutely. Yeah, isolating. I don't know another word for it. Yeah, I, I thought I was being smart when I first moved to Manhattan. I was like, I moved right where NYU's campus was. And I was like, I'll be around kids my age. This yeah. will be perfect. It's like, well, actually, like I was just in the middle of a college campus, but had nothing to say to these students because there was no <laughs> crossover, no relation. Um, so yeah, but I think any New Yorker can relate to like, it takes time yeah, definitely. to make friends. So what was the industry like at that time when you got into it? And I do want to talk to you a lot about body image because you're very vocal about that and kind of your journey with all of that. So where were you with kind of your, your self-image and where was the industry at that time? Yeah. So when I started modeling in like 2008 and 2009, it was so different. All models like looked exactly the same. It's so strange to even reflect on it. It was like six foot, blonde hair, blue eyes, Eastern European, that was it. And they were all a double zero. And, you know, that was what the atypical model was. And, you know, I came into the industry, I was like a normal, healthy, athletic, 18-year-old, definitely thin, I thought at the time. But yeah, it got tough very quickly because I think people were like, you could be thinner, you could be better. If you want to be successful, you need to do like X, Y, and Z. And I think at 18, A, I wanted to be successful. So I was like, oh, I just have to do like this, this, and this. If I work out and like don't eat McDonald's, like I can look better. And it started as simple as that and escalated very quickly into, you know, being more drastic about trying to control the way that I looked. But luckily, the industry is slowly starting to change, which we can definitely like talk about. But then it was very much like you had to look like this if you wanted to be successful. And I would get so much negative feedback. And when you're young and impressionable, it just it crushed me. After the emotionally draining year we all endured in 2020, there are positive things happening in 2021, and it's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction. That's why instead of just celebrating a month of mental health awareness, it should be our priority all year long. So take the first step with online therapy. 
Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. And your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. So a few things about Talkspace that are amazing is that it's affordable. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they will engage with you daily, five days a week. They also have an incredible therapist network. They have thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience and Talkspace is secure. So it's secure and private using the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information and they comply with the latest HIPAA regulations. So as a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace, which is amazing. To match with a licensed therapist today, just go to Talkspace space.com that's t-a-l-k-s-p-a-c-e.com and make sure to use the code blonde b-l-o-n-d-e to get a hundred dollars off your first month and also to show your support for the show again that's talkspace.com and the code is blonde You guys may have seen me share about public goods over on Instagram. They are the one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, and healthy household products from home to personal care to pantry staples to pet care and more all in one place. So I love it all. I have everything from the dish and the hand soap to the shampoo to bath products, candles, pantry staples like almond butter and coconut oil, dental floss, literally everything. And I love public goods because you can just order everything you need in one place. I call it the air one of the internet because everything is such great quality, but unlike air one, it's not all a zillion dollars. Public Goods ethically sources everything and they obsessively develop each product to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common in our everyday products. They are committed to making their products healthy for humans, animals, and the environment. And they're super eco-friendly, so that's another reason to love them. It's important to not only know what's in our products, but where they come from. And small changes in the way we shop can mean a big impact on personal health and the world at large. I love that Public Goods really scours the globe to find products that are innovative, diverse, clean, and earth-friendly. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and ensure maximum savings for their customers. And they worked out an exclusive deal for you guys to receive $15 off your first order with no minimum purchase. They are so confident that you will love their products and be a lifetime member that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You guys will love it as much as I do, I'm sure. So just head over to publicgoods.com slash blonde files or use the code blonde files at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S for $15 off your first order. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. How did you deal with that negative feedback? And do you have something that you remember that somebody said to you that like really stayed with you? I can't think of like a specific moment, but I think what drove me to these extreme measures that I started taking, like over-exercising and eating very little, was like this dangling carrot of success. You know, I was kind of like, if I can just get like to this weight, then I could be doing like X, Y, and Z jobs and making X, Y, and Z money. And like, I just had my eye on the prize. I think, you know, being driven in that way can be a positive thing. But in this case, unfortunately, it was kind of negative because I was really just like deteriorating myself and my mind, body, spirit. But yeah, I think like it felt like that carrot was like dangling in front of me. And I just was like, if I could just get this right, everything will be perfect. Unfortunately, that was not the case. And I always say this with being a model and being in this industry, you can do everything right. You can be the most beautiful, thin, perfect person in the room and people will still not like you and not book you, 
which is something that I like realized years years later. And I was like, okay, like this isn't really paying off. Right. It must be such like a mind fuck though, pardon my language, because totally, I'm sure that you were getting... I don't know, validation for the over-exercising, how your body was changing and all of that. And I just remember for myself, like on a way different scale, when I first started my Instagram account, it started as a fitness account and I was posting before and afters all the time. And I got like very thin because I was counting macros and I was like, oh, I can go lower and lower and lower. And I was doing more and more and more exercise. And I got positive feedback, like only, you know, and the Mm -hmm. pictures would go viral. And I was like, oh my God. But like inside, I felt like shit. So it was kind of this conflicting, like push pull. Yeah. I completely relate with that. Yeah. I was exactly getting like really positive feedback. What really threw me for a loop though, was then when I got to like my absolute thinnest and thought like I have arrived and finally here, I remember I got on the scale and it was just so low, the lowest I'd ever been, like literally 40 pounds lighter than I am now, not even an exaggeration. But then I started getting the feedback from the exact clients that I'd wanted to work with. People were like, oh, she looked better before. And then people started saying like, oh, it doesn't look natural on her. And Mm. I I remember like just wanting to bang my head against the wall because I was like, first of all, none of these models look natural. (laughs) All of us are on the struggle bus (laughs) trying to look like this. And I finally got here and people are like, no, 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 that's not right either. And that's Um, actually kind of was the turning point for me because I was like, okay, this isn't like working out for me. Yeah. You're like damned if you do, damned if you don't. What was the most drastic thing you ever did or saw? your peers doing to get that perfect body? I mean, in terms of other people, I saw it all, you know, for some, for myself personally, it was exercise. Like, and if you had an exercise or, you know, a fitness Instagram account, I'm sure you can relate. Like that was just something I grew up as an athlete Mm -hmm. and I played sports my whole life. And for me, it always felt good. Like exercising does feel good. So I really took that to an extreme. I was at the gym sometimes for three, four hours a day, just like thinking that I was doing my job, which I was kind of, right? So it was hard for me in that sense because I wanted to do the right thing and like check that off my list and like feel like I was going towards my goals. But it was like, I was also just like, shriveling up inside. But yeah, you definitely see, you know, many models go many different ways to, and I think this goes for models and people in general, like controlling the way that they eat and exercise and behave around other people. We all try to cover it up and Mm -hmm. act in certain ways or eat certain ways. And you're like, oh, I've been like that when girls are like, oh, I only eat like this, 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 and this. And you're like, I've been there. I know that, you know, everyone like deals with it in different ways. Um, But luckily, like as the industry has changed, I feel like I've seen a lot of my peers and people that I I was close to and am close to, like slowly that started to like soften. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I would be the, on the Adderall and cocaine. (laughs) That would be my, (laughs) I've been sober for seven years. So like that was my thing. (laughs) Yeah. I I can just picture it. (laughs) That's that's also a route. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't do that people. Um, So you mentioned a turning point. Can you talk about what that was like and, and like just the shift that happened with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like I mentioned, I had gotten to this like really low weight and I thought I was going to achieve all of my goals. And then I was at work. I remember one day and a makeup artist and another model came up to me that I had worked with many times and I consider them friends. I still do. And they were like, Hey, you don't look well, like something you, this doesn't look right. And I remember getting like super defensive and being like, why is everyone like on my case? Aren't I doing like what everyone else is doing a and B like, I'm just trying trying to like do my job. And then I think I got feedback from a very big client that was basically like, she doesn't look good. Like we don't want to continue working with her if this is the path that she's going down. And I just was getting this feedback from people. And I was like, oh, this is driving me nuts. Like it's not moving the needle in the direction I want to go. I'm totally miserable. I'm irritable all the time. I'm like isolating myself from others because you, I'm sure, you know, other people can relate to this. Like when you are that strict about exercise and food, like you're not being social, you're not being normal. Everything was very rigid. And I was just like, this is so exhausting. And I just knew that it was not sustainable. I got so burnt out. I remember I had like a really big kind of mental breakdown moment, crying hysterically in the middle of streets of New York. I'm sure every New Yorker can relate to that too, because <laughs> we all have done that at some point. And I actually went home. I went home to my parents' place for about six months because I was so burnt out and just so frustrated. And then I gained a ton of weight back. And that was a whole spiral in itself because then I was trying to adjust to the new me or the old me, but the new me. 
So that was a whole other journey that I had to kind of figure out. And it was tough. A lot of people asked me um, when I had them send in questions for you, like, how did you finally find peace with your body after you did gain weight? Yeah, that was really tough. Like I always say, that's why I say body positivity is such a journey because it's something that I still struggle with and still trying to figure out. But for myself, like it was more so striving for like that body neutrality. Like in the beginning of my modeling career, if a pair of jeans didn't fit or, you know, a pair of pants didn't fit me on a job, my day was ruined. My heart was crushed, soul crushed. My day was just absolutely ruined. Whereas now I try to just say like, okay, you know, that's a slice of the day that isn't perfect. Or maybe you wake up and the scale isn't where you want it to be or your pants aren't fitting right. But like trying not to let that have so much power over your life and your day. But also I think finding body like neutrality or getting to this point of like body positivity was filling my life with things outside of the way that I looked. And I was just so obsessed with that for so long because like I said, I thought I was doing my job and I was doing the right thing. So it totally took over my entire life. But once I started trying new things, incorporating new hobbies, interests, like taking myself out of my comfort zone, the way I looked, you know, when I woke up in the morning became a lot less important and the driver of my entire mood and my entire day. Mm -hmm. I always say like, I can look the same one day to the next and one day I can look in the mirror and hate it. And the next day I can be like really happy with it depending on how much I'm thinking about myself. I think that comes down to it. So if my energy is going outwards to the world around me, then I'm like, oh yeah, like things are good. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm just like obsessing, which we all do, especially now, like, you know, posting pictures and like social media, I think just really has taken it to another level. We can just nitpick so much and compare and... Yes, I absolutely relate to that. And I think, like you said, like making that energy kind of go outward and not so much like focusing on yourself. I think also once you start incorporating other things, you realize that there's like so much more to life. Mm -hmm. When your inner dialogue is only like, how do I look today? How do my jeans fit? Like, how do I look in that photo? And I, it's hard. It is like part of our job. There's no denying yeah. that. But if it's the only conversation you're having with yourself, like, rightfully so. It's so exhausting, mm -hmm. but maybe it's time to like start diversifying like those inner dialogues and what's going on. I love that. So say that you wake up and you're having one of those off days and you're feeling like, like I'm feeling just not good about myself. What are some steps that you take that people listening might be able to take? to help get out of it. Yeah. I mean, for myself, working out always helps. And meaning like I love lifting weights, which was something that I never, never, never did when I first started modeling because everyone told you not to do that because having muscle was bad and that was a whole thing. But like doing something that makes me feel strong, meditating, doing yoga, you know, something that like I'm connecting with my body and kind of feeling grateful for what it's capable of in a way. But also it's like going for a walk, seeing a friend, calling my mom, like getting myself out of that headspace because if I get stuck in that box, which does happen sometimes where I'm like, oh no, like I don't feel good. I feel like I don't look good or like it's slipping away. I don't know. You know, I get into like, I, that still happens to me. Like I have to like remove myself from the situation. However, that's like possible, whether that's like going for a walk, seeing my mom or whatever it is. But mm -hmm. yeah, I would say those few things. So you've changed. How has the industry changed over the years and where where is it now? I mean, I think I watched one of your videos and you said that there still have been times where like you've gone to a job that you've been booked at and they're like, oh, actually, this is not going to work out. Like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, first of all, the industry has changed in the sense that like models are now like all different shapes, sizes, backgrounds. And that's wonderful. I feel like because of social media, you know, people now have a voice and they've kind of made it clear that they don't want to see just like one type of woman, one type of model, one type of beauty standard. So I do feel like with social now we're seeing so many different women's of shapes, sizes, backgrounds being celebrated, which is wonderful. But yes, I mean, I think some of those rules, restrictions, standards still exist in the industry and I will show up for jobs and the pants won't fit or an outfit won't fit. And now I'm at a point in my life and maturity where I'm like, oh, all these people are freaking out because this outfit doesn't fit or these pants don't fit. 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, like I'm failing and I'm horrible and like, this is all my fault. Now I'm like, ugh, I just made all these people's jobs a little more annoying and complicated. So they're annoyed, but I kind of get it because now they're all trying to figure out like what they need to do. That's like my most rational, sane voice. But yeah, I've been sent home from jobs, like flown all the way to Europe and something doesn't fit or I 
show up and they it looks differently than what they expected. And it hurts. Like I cried. I ate everything in the mini bar that night, um, called my mom, cried hysterically. I was so angry and so upset. That happens. But it's like just because one person isn't a fan or you show up. And I'm also like, who did not do their due diligence? Like I don't like I showed up right now. <laughs> if you are that surprised after I just flew like eight and a half hours to get here, like someone didn't do their job and it's not me. Yeah, like you I'm had like, one job. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, so, you know, trying to like not act like it's all my fault. And I just try to move on also. Like, I remember I cried hysterically, ate everything in the minibar, and I went on the flight and I watched like a million episodes of Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> and then I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> I was upset. I did yeah. what I needed to do. It was very cathartic. Very therapeutic, I was going to say, the housewives. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned diversifying earlier and you've definitely diversified. I mean, as far as your brand goes, you have your YouTube and social media and you have your skincare line. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about that and um, how you kind of transitioned into all of that? Yeah. So, you know, over the last, like, I'd say five to seven years, I started focusing on social media a lot more, Instagram, YouTube, and now TikTok, all of these things, um, and had a lot of fun with it. You know, that was like my first step in kind of like diversifying in a way because I spent so many years being a model waiting for the next job to come in. And I would literally like wait at home for like my agent to call me to like send me away again. And I just remember feeling a little bored, a little too dynamic. Dimensional. It was like when influencers were really starting to like be on the rise. And I remember it was still a time where people were like poo-pooing on influencers. I don't know how else to say that in a better way. They still and I, do. They still do. <laughs> and I'm like, I always looked at it like, I was like, oh, they're like sharing all this stuff. Like I could do that. Like I want to do that. I want to share those things. I felt so two-dimensional. I felt so boring. It was actually quite cool for models to like be mysterious. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so not me though. <laughs> I, I have so much to say. I loved social media. I loved sharing my life. So I kind of leaned into it, really focused on YouTube. And I always loved sharing my beauty routines. That was something that I loved doing. You know, my skin was super important for my job. And I think I came from the mentality that like more was more when it came to skincare. I was layering all the things, doing all the actives. I thought I was doing everything right. I think like many people, like we all have fun with skincare and it's fun to experiment. But I think I reached this tipping point where I was doing everything. My skin was like falling off of my face. Um, I remember at one point I shared my skincare routine with Harper's Bazaar, one of their famous like get unready with me videos. People tore me apart in the comments they're like this routine is insane all her steps are wrong like (laughs) you're not supposed to combine those products but it was this tipping point for me where I was like okay I love beauty I'm passionate about it like I thought I knew what I was doing and I realized people had the exact same questions I was having which was like what products do I actually need in my routine do they work together and what order am I supposed to use them in which was the birth of Covey of course there are many like steps in between like that moment and Covey coming out into the world but that was kind of the inspiration moment for sure you guys are always asking me about healthy snacks so this is for you okay let's talk about mindful snacking we live in a world full of distractions and so often we find ourselves eating mindlessly but lesser evil is on a mission to change that You are probably familiar with them already. They make healthier, less processed, earth-friendly snacking accessible to everyone. They partner with organic farms and thoroughly vetted vendors across the world to get the cleanest, highest quality ingredients possible. Everything is minimally processed, resulting in super clean, super tasty snacks. And everything is USDA organic, non-GMO project verified, certified grain-free and low in sugar. And with plenty of vegan, paleo and keto-friendly options, lesser evil snacks are perfect for anyone. So I love their popcorn. I'm sure you guys know it. And I also love their paleo puffs. They are so delicious, but because they use such high quality ingredients, they're really satisfying too, which is something that I really love for in a snack. They also have these delicious power curls, which have six grams of protein per serving, which is great. They have veggie sticks. They have these mini cookies that I love to have at night with a little almond butter, basically everything you could possibly want. 
You can find Lesser Evil in regional grocery stores nationwide and nationally at Whole Foods Market. But for the full array of their products, including pantry items and merch, visit their online shop at www.lesserevil.com. That's L-E-S-S-E-R-E-V-I-L.com. And Lesser Evil is offering an exclusive deal to you guys. So you can take 25% off your first one-time order with the code BLONDE. That's B-L-O-N-D. Again, lesserevil.com and the code is blonde. You may have seen me post on Instagram about Athletic Greens before. It is a non-negotiable in my morning lineup and in Chuck's. So I'm going to tell you why it's so good and why you should consider making it part of your day too. So Athletic Greens was developed because the founder was doing everything right, eating clean, working out, doing all the things, and was still experiencing gut and other issues that he could not figure out. When I heard this, it just was so familiar. So I knew that I had to try it. And I know so many of you have been there too. Athletic Greens was born out of that situation and has been meticulously developed to help others who may be experiencing the same thing or just want to ensure that they are getting all the good essentials. One scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. It also helps to increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products or pills. Seriously, adding this is an easy micro habit that can really improve our lives. I do it every morning, like I said. I also bring the individual packs with me when I'm traveling. And I just love knowing that I'm getting everything I need for the day in my green juice in the morning. And then I can go eat churros and tacos, you know? Another thing I love about Athletic Greens is that they continue to obsessively improve their one holistic formula based on the latest research. The product has gone through 53 iterations and counting. They go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality product. And it really just makes it such a great nutritional habit to include in your routine. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system They are offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles, B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S, and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. How do you deal with the negative backlash online? Um, because I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's just, it's getting worse, like progressively, especially this past year. And I'm like, okay, people are like stuck at home and feeling anxious and bored. And they're like taking out their anger on the wrong people. But I would imagine, especially like since you are so vocal about things like body positivity and just your experiences, I feel like the more vulnerable you are, the more like ammunition other people have to... Mm-hmm kind of use it against you. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it is tricky. Like I agree that the last year has been a lot harder. I think it's so easy now to just write a comment. I actually find them to be the most savage on like TikTok. People just say crazy whatever they want. (laughs) But whenever someone says something, like I do look at mean comments, I click into your profile. So I'm like, if you're listening, (laughs) I click. And I'm like, who is this person? And sometimes, oftentimes it's like a 12, 13 year old, like in Oklahoma or something like that. (laughs) I'm like, what has possessed you to leave this comment on my profile today? But it's also like, I try to think about it like I have never left a mean comment or felt possessed to leave a mean comment on someone. I would have to be in the worst place ever and so triggered by something to do that, which it's like, so it's not really on me. I think it's on someone else. For some reason, they're triggered by this and feel the need to say something negative. But sometimes I read them. Sometimes I get upset. It happened just the other day and I showed my husband. He was like, Emily, who cares? (laughs) It's like a man, like in the middle of no. 
nowhere. And I was like, it makes me so mad. But then I'm just like, I kind of just have to laugh about it and mm-hmm. like let it go. But I know that's easier said than done. And I know some people have it a lot worse, meaning like sometimes people just hate for sport these days. And I'm like, that is just a whole other beast and like something that I'm like, this is an unfortunate like trend in society mm-hmm. right now. Especially on TikTok, I feel like it is trendy. Like whoever can make the snarkiest comment. Totally. I've posted like, I post stuff on TikTok that I would not post on Instagram, like like videos of like past plastic surgery procedures and stuff that I've had done. And I know like that's going to bring the trolls out. And usually I can just like put it away and just deal with it. Um, but one time I did get like very deep into the comments and I was like going back and my friend was like, you realize that these people have like no followers, no posts and like their profile picture is like a picture of Emrata. <laughs> Yeah, like, this exactly. is not even a real person. And I'm like writing a paragraph, like wasting my time. <laughs> I know it. I have totally been there too. It is unfortunate. Yeah. And TikTok though, they are savage. Savage. Those kids. Those kids. so mean. <laughs> okay. So I want to get into listener questions because we had so many. We kind of covered this one, but if there's anything you want to add, but mm-hmm. how do you accept weight gain without beating yourself up? That's such a great question. It's so hard. Some days are easier than others. Like I definitely gained weight during the pandemic, um, like many other people. Like I literally gained 10 pounds. Like it felt like overnight. I'm sure it was over the course of a year. Um, And I did beat myself up over it for a little bit, but it's also like trying to be gentle with yourself and kind of logical with yourself in a sense. Like I remember being really angry and frustrated and being like, oh, I want to lose it. I'm going to get back into my routines. But then my like logical part of my brain kicked in and was kind of like, your life is so different. You never leave the house. You used to go to a personal trainer like twice a week and like meet your friends and do like yoga and Pilates and like constantly walking everywhere in the city. Like your life is so different. So like, isn't it a little unrealistic to like hold yourself to the same standards. Also, I think what's helped me a little bit is to be like, your body is going to change over the years and to expect your body to look exactly the same for your whole life or your adult life or whatever is such an unrealistic expectation. Like Mm -hmm. your body is going to change as you change, as your life changes. Like it's just, it's a little pointless to be like, I'm going to try to be like this always, no matter like what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's also exhausting. Yes. You know, yeah, definitely. Um, How do you not fall back into old habits like exercise addiction? That's a good question. I think I just took it to such an extreme for a period of my life and I exhausted myself in a way and had such a breaking point. It took me so long to even want to exercise again after that because I burnt it out that I think it just took me time to find a balancing point for me to want to exercise again. So I never really struggled with wanting to go back and like go haywire because Mm -hmm. I was just like been there, done that. And again, it's really exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. No, I can totally relate to that because I had the exact same experience where like I exercised myself into the ground and like could not function. And for like a year, I kind of stopped. Like I did, I would go for walks. I would like maybe do Pilates once in a while, but I was just like, I had no interest. And after that, I realized like after I slowed down, it's not like my body, like I lost control, Mm -hmm. you know? So then I was like, oh, I can take a different approach to this. And I think like, I'm just such a rock bottom person. Like I have to hit rock bottom to be willing to change. Yeah. And, And it makes it easier, I think personally. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think when you realize that like I was exercising so much and every single day, then when you take a break and you exercise a little less and you're more gentle on yourself and you realize it doesn't really make that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. Like I would always be like, can't take a day off, like must go for like an hour and a half, two hours. And then you like reel it back and you're like, wait, it's actually fine. Like nothing happens. They actually look kind of the same. And I was like, oh, (laughs) forget it. (laughs) I know. And the more that you're in that cycle of like, do it every day, never miss a day, have to eat that, have to, you feel like if you miss anything, it something your body is going to catch up to you or like you're getting chased. And then when you can ease, ease up a little bit, you do kind of notice like, oh, it's not like (laughs) making that big of a difference. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Okay. Are there any shoots that you look back on and cringe? Oh, (laughs) 
Yeah, there definitely are. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Like one not that long ago that happened that I was like, I did this editorial. I actually like never even really saw the pictures come out, but I do think that they did. And it was with this art photographer and he was asking me to do the weirdest stuff, like sit on the toilet with like no pants on, but like act sexy and like all of these things. And I just remember seeing the images and I remember being like, I wish I hadn't done that. I knew in the moment that this was not going to move the needle for my career. Like I see stuff and stuff come even when I was younger, like I was definitely much more loose about what I was willing to do and not to do as in a, now I'm like 30 years old. I think I would act a little differently if someone asked me to do something. So yeah, I sometimes look at those pictures and go like, oh man, wish I hadn't done that. But mm -hmm. I was also like 18 and just like, whatever, I'm right. just doing what I'm told. Did you get unwanted attention as a child because of your looks? <sighs> got unwanted attention. No. I mean, the only thing I definitely got was like, oh, you're so pretty. People would tell me that I was pretty, but I didn't feel like overly sexualized in any way. Even like as a model, I was kind of like very gave off. Like I felt like asexual energy because I was like, I don't want to be like out here getting attention in that way. So no, I actually don't think I did. What would you tell young girls to instill body confidence at a young age? <sighs> I think I would say something similar to what I mentioned earlier, which was like, just make sure that you have other things in your life that fulfill you. Try different things, like have other interests, diversify your friend groups as well. You know, I remember like only having like a few friends I only hung out with and we all thought the same and talked the same and ate the same. And it's like, you know, really try to like not let your whole life existence be the way that you look. And I know it feels like the most important thing in the world, but once you realize how much you're capable of and how much more you can bring to the the table outside of that, that's really when I started to flourish and like bloom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, what was your worst body shaming experience and how did it affect you? Worst body shaming experience? <laughs> I mean, there's just so many things. Like I... <laughs> Like I've been on shoots and I remember a photographer was like right in front of me said like, I can't shoot her when she's fat like this because I always fluctuated a lot. I still do. I'm just one of those people. Uh -huh. And I just remember being like gutted. Also, it was, remember it was like 10 a.m. I saw the whole day. Oh my to do God. this job. So I've had moments like that, but also like body shaming are really uncomfortable moments, like going to really big castings, like the Victoria's Secret fashion show, like stripping down to your <laughs> underwear and like doing the whole thing. And then you get the feedback after and they're like, oh, they think you're too big or like too curvy or like you need to work on like X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, oh, like I just spent like three months working out till this moment, like come on. But oh, there's just endless moments like that. What was that like, the Victoria's Secret thing? <laughs> I wonder if they redid the show today. I don't even think they would be able to get away with no. <laughs> how that casting used to play out. Like, we would all show up. You'd all, you've had, like, your best pair of, like, stripper heels with you, like, highest and best. <laughs> they would put you a bra in a bra and underwear. There'd be, like, a ton of other girls there. Terrifying. It would be this massive room, and then all the casting directors and TED people would be at the end of the table. And even to say hello, you would have to, like, awkward awkwardly like walk across this entire room, like say hello to them in your underwear and your heels. And then they'd be like, okay, like go. And you would just like do your walk, come back. And they would just be like, thank you. They'd be like filming every moment yeah. of it. But it was such a big deal, especially yeah. like, you know, five or six years ago, I wanted it so bad every year and I never got it. And then I got so burnt out and I was like, I'm never going to this casting again. Like I hate all of you. <laughs> That sounds like my worst nightmare, first of all. How many women were there trying to get oh, the job? There were, I mean. Like hundreds? I, I, no, not hundreds. Like there were probably like 10, 15, 20 girls there at a time. Oh, oh, but like it. it's an all-day, multi-day mm. thing, of course. Yeah. But yeah, it was always so disappointing. I always felt like such a failure not getting that one because that was a big one. Right. But now I'm like, oh, I, it, it's for the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. What was like, what's your best experience been? We're talking about all the negative, but what's a really oh, good experience that you've had a, in the industry? That's a good question. 
You know, I think, like, my best experience has been with my, like, longer partners, meaning, like, I've been with Maybelline for over 12 years, and I signed with them when I was a junior in high school. I was so young, and they've seen me go through every phase of my life from, like, going to my prom to my first breakup to my (laughs) wedding. Like, many of them were there, like, people that I've worked with over the years, but they've really allowed me to grow, flourish, like, stay with the brand. They've always embraced, like, my interests and, like, what I'm doing and what's going on with me, like, my YouTube channel like whatever it may be. So for me, like having one of those long-term partners and people who feel like friends, who feel, you know, they support you in all the different avenues and things you're interested in, that's been really special. And I think also rare in our industry because it's usually like you're around for a few seasons, some girls and like never seen again. Right. So I've been lucky in that sense. That's nice. What is a day in the life of food for you. So mm. what's, well, like, what do you eat in a day? I know you've done videos on this too. So everyone go look at her YouTube <laughs> and her Instagram and TikTok and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely changed actually over the years. I used to like fast until lunch and then like only eat then. Now in the mornings I have kind of like, I feel like I have very much moved much more into like intuitive eating. Um, so if I wake up in the morning, like I have oatmeal with like walnuts and raspberries or whatever that may be. For lunch, I have sweet green every day. In between, I'm always having like hard boiled eggs or, you know, some sort of snack, almonds, trail mix, chocolate, whatever it may be. And then for dinner with my husband, we make like vegetables and some sort of protein every night. I used to be for many, many years, like very low carb. I thought that was the only way to live. I have slowly started to change my tune on that though. It's like the same exact thing with the exercise. I started eating more carbs and I was like, I look the same. Right. <laughs> I was missing out on so too. <laughs> It's so funny. Um, Okay. Do agencies pressure models to get plastic surgery? I swear this wasn't my question. Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. I have never been pressured to get plastic surgery. Never has come up in a conversation, but I do think that models voluntarily do it and sometimes go to the agency to figure out how is best to go about that. I mm-hmm. have heard that. Like, so-and-so wants to get X, Y, and Z done. Who do people go to? But I don't know about pressure for that, yeah. but I'm sure it comes up. Seems like that would be a little bit of a legal issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure in today's age, people are a little more careful. Yeah. 10 years ago, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So. Those oh. are good questions. Actually, is really good ones. Yeah. We got some good ones. I have a couple more that I'm going to check because we have time. But um, what are your best beauty hacks before a shoot? Before a shoot, I think I, of course, always focus on diet, eating well, um, because my skin really reacts when I'm not eating well, when I'm not hydrated, when I'm drinking alcohol, cut that. And then in terms of skincare, just keeping it really, really simple. Like I mentioned earlier, I used to do so many steps and so many layers. Now I just do like my cubby routine and like that's it. And my skin always looks its best. And just a level of consistency. And I think for me, my best, best beauty hack is I sleep the exact same amount every single night and I go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. That might sound weird. But I found when I sleep over seven and a half hours, I look tired. My skin looks dull and dry and like not good. I have dark circles and under seven and a half hours. That's also the case. So for me, I'm like super strict and diligent about that for my energy levels and my skin and everything. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. I'm the same way. If I get less, like last night I got six and a half and I'm like, I'm not a human being when that (laughs) happens. Like everything, I can see it in my face. I can feel it. Like it's, it's crazy. Tell us about your Covey routine and, and about oh, yeah. the line I can, itself. I can share that. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Covey routine is a three-step system. It's simple, effective, and compatible. Like I mentioned earlier, I realized through a lot of research that many people were confused about what products they needed in their routine if they work together in the order you should be using them in. So we have our first of all cleanser, our next step vitamin C serum, and our last but not least moisturizer. Um, so all of the products work together in harmony with your skin and with each other. So you really get this great hydrated glow. Um, everything is clean and not toxic and it's just been really fun. We've gotten great feedback. People are loving it. I'm so happy. It took three years for us to get to formulate. So we're really happy that people are loving it. Yeah. How did you go about that? How did you figure out how to formulate it and test it and all of that? So it was a combination of a lot of social listening. We went through over 500,000 reviews of top selling products and top retailers, myself and my business partner. She created like this very fancy algorithm to go through all these comments and realize what people were complaining about and what the ingredients were that they were complaining about. And if they were linked, if someone was like, 
complaining about irritation was their fragrance in there or parabens, sulfates, whatever it may be. We also partnered with the dermatologist, Dr. Julie Rusak. She also helped us make sure that the ingredients were high quality and backed by the latest research and science. Um, and we also tested the products on over 150 people while we were formulating. So it took a very long time. We got a lot of feedback from different people of ages, skin types, concerns. So the combination of all of that helped us formulate. Your skin is flawless, <laughs> so and everybody will see it on video, so I definitely have to try that out. Yes. Um, it looks amazing. I have to get it to you. Okay. OMG, may I ask Emily, when I was younger, I had a visible flaw that I was made fun of, and it decimated me to the point where I did everything to not stand out but to fit in. Emily, how did you amass the confidence to become a model with your flaw, your eye? How did it not bother you? Were people just nicer in general to you than the kids I grew up with, or was it that you're so gorgeous no one even noticed? Or did you just always embrace your unique individuality? <laughs> she was like the happiest person. Oh my by god, the way, that you're coming I, on. <laughs> I love that 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 this has come up. Um, yes. Yeah, so for anyone listening, I have a lazy eye. It's actually called Dwayne syndrome. Um, so my left eye doesn't go left at all. And, you know, it comes up a lot, especially at work. Like my eyes are always like going in two different directions or I'm in conversation with someone or I get tired and they are literally like crossing. I didn't and, notice. Like, yeah, it, it, it happens. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Like I feel like, and I think this is also partially because my parents were kind of great about it. They kind of always made fun of me for it when I was a kid. They would call it my crazy eye and they would ask me to do it at like every barbecue and family function. Everyone thought it was hilarious. So I think I became desensitized to thinking that this was like something to be embarrassed about. I didn't feel like less pretty because of it, but I think it's because like people were making fun of me for it all the time. My family got such a kick out of it. Um, when I started becoming a model, it came up a lot more. It always comes up. People are like, your eyes are going in two different directions. Like they show me the photo and they're like, what's going on here? And I always have to explain it. And sometimes I'm like, Ugh, it's not ideal. Like I look totally crazy in that photo. Um, but I'm just like, this is just like one such a very small slice of who I am. So I guess I was lucky that kids didn't make fun of me a ton for it. It definitely came up, but I was just kind of like, what the heck am I supposed to do about it? Like, right. this is just my face. Um, so I didn't really let it like bring me down too much. Mm -hmm. It's just a quirk. Yeah. And my husband points it out all the time. When I get tired, he's like, oh, you're starting one eye's going one way and the other's going the other. I'm like, that means it's time for me to retire. Go to bed. So I wanted to ask you, like, how your husband is not in the industry. Um, how has that relationship, like, helped you through all of this if it has? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. My husband is an investor and a very, very different industry. At first, I didn't know if I was going to be able to be with someone who didn't fully understand my industry because I had dated like only male models. So I thought like love was someone fully understanding like every in and out of like what you do and not having to explain it. But actually with my husband, Kyle, like he's helped me in so many ways just to like push me to try new things, like diversify my interests, like push me to, you know, even like I went to college, I started going to Columbia a couple of years ago here in New York, and I never thought I could do that. And he was like, you're going to be great. Like, you're so capable. You're so smart. He always encouraged me to try, try, try. And I would always be like, I can't, like, what if I have to work? Or like, I can't, like, what if I have to do this? And he'd be like, who cares? Like, just do it anyway. You can figure everything out. But I actually now I'm super grateful he's not in the industry because I learned so much from him and what he's working on in his industries. And it kind of makes me feel less important is not the right word, but like, it's just like we both have bring such different things to the table. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, where can everybody find you? Yeah. So you can find me, Emily DiDonato on Instagram, on YouTube, um, TikTok. I believe I'm DiDonato Emily. I think that's it. All the places. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 